If the statistics are correct, then church attendance and church participation and church membership are all way down across the board. But this week, I read a couple of articles, and the statistics are not super encouraging, right? 47%. And these are people polled that, that say they're Christians and they believe and follow Jesus. 47% of them say they are connected in any meaningful way with a local congregation. Maybe more troubling was the top number. 20 9% of those who say they follow Jesus gather together in any meaningful way at church. It's about once a month. That means 71% of people who claim to follow Christ maybe show up to any kind of service or worship or church gathering once a month, if even that. Now, we might right away go to, well, COVID, right? Last year, year and a half has just destroyed a lot of churches and their attendance. But this trend was happening way before COVID ever showed up. And it's sobering. And it's troubling, yet I, I don't think for many of you, I have to tell you these statistics and how sobering and troubling they are, because you already know. You already know as you think about that person who maybe once came here regularly and, and they've drifted and we haven't seen them. Maybe in a while, maybe in a long while. These statistics become painfully obvious as you think about that son, that daughter, a grandchild, a spouse who maybe used to sit in the chairs next to you or, or, or in a chair pew somewhere, but now they don't go anywhere. The trend is troubling, and many, many, many people who say they walk with Jesus no longer get connected in any meaningful way at church. And I suppose we could see numbers like that and kind of ignore them or lament them or point the finger and blame why, but, but there are sons, there are daughters, there are granddaughters, there are grandsons, there are spouses, there are friends, there are co-workers who are not getting connected to Jesus in a meaningful way with his family. Now the reasons, I've been a pastor 13 years now this summer, and I've heard all of these, right? Some people... They just simply got caught up in the busyness of life. They didn't intend to drift. They didn't intend to wander away, but they got busy with work and school and family life. And, and you know, you miss one Sunday, it's easy to miss two, and then you miss a month, and then you miss six, and it's really hard to get back into a habit, whether it's church or any good habit. Others? They grew up in homes where they had moms and dads, maybe who were kind of legalistic, and they just, boom, 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 and they hammered Jesus and the Bible down their throats, and they're like, I don't want anything to do with that. And so they don't come. There are some who, who, who don't come because they, they feel let down. Maybe they didn't get their way, or they didn't get what they wanted, so they got upset and they left. 
There are some, and this is probably the number one thing I've ever heard in 13 years of being a pastor, somebody said something, somebody did something to hurt or offend them, and so the best option in their mind is to not stay connected to Jesus at that local church. There's others who, who feel like, you know what, the, the church is just full of a bunch of sinners and hypocrites. That's no different than the world out there, so why do I need to come here? Because I can get the same thing out there. There's nothing different. And then there's others who've been deeply hurt and let down by people like me and people like you. And they've written off church altogether. Over the years, as I've heard people tell me such things, I get it. I totally understand, right? I get that sometimes we get busy and we have all these responsibilities and, and things can get away from us. And before you know it, oh, we haven't been to church in two months. I understand that. It happens in the preacher's house too. Maybe not with church attendance because I have to be here, but with staying connected to Jesus. And I get it, right? The church is full of sinners. You're a sinner. I'm a sinner. Who's going to hurt each other? We are. It's going to happen. I get how people don't like that and they struggle with it. I've sinned against you. You've sinned against me because we're sinners. So how can we help people and how can we help each other stay connected to Jesus and his church in a way that he desires so that he can bless us in so many different ways. When the numbers and the things that, that stop us are kind of stacked against us. How can we do it? How can you and I get a connection with our church family in a way that God desires to bless us tremendously? Well, that's what we want to talk about today. And to do that, we're going to look at two different sections of God's word. We're going to look at the book of Hebrews, chapter 10. And we're going to look at the book of Acts, chapter 2. So first off, Hebrews chapter 10. Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess, for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds. Not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. You know, I've often heard people tell me, well, you don't have to, to go to church, and you don't have to gather with a church family to have faith and be close to Jesus and get into heaven. And my immediate answer is, that may be true, but I wonder if Jesus were standing here today, and we asked Jesus if it's important to come to church every week, if it's important to get into his word every day, you know how he'd answer? Yes. In fact, if we turn to some of the Gospels talking about Jesus' life, you know what Jesus made a habit of doing? Going to church. Right, some of the Gospels talk about how Jesus, as was his custom, went to the synagogue. In other words, Jesus went to church regularly. And if the Son of God, the guy who wrote the Bible, it's his words, he's the word made flesh, if he thought it was important to gather regularly with believers in the word of God, we probably should too. But here's the problem. 
For some reason, and we're not told, these young Christians that the writer to the Hebrews is speaking to, many of them are getting out of the habit. We're not told why, we're not told what the circumstances were, but, but this is not a 21st century phenomenon where only 29% come. Even 2,000 years ago in the early church, people started drifting. They stopped gathering together. And God says, don't. God says, spiritually, that's the worst thing you could do. Don't stop getting together as some are in the habit of doing. Why? Because God wants to encourage us through his word. But why? Why is coming to a place like this so important in our walk of faith? Why is Jesus so animate telling us he wants us to come to worship with fellow believers and do it regularly? Because here's the reality, right? Y'all got Jesus in your home. Y'all got Bibles and Bible apps and, and technology to, to hook up to the internet. And, and so you could get all the Jesus you could possibly ever need or want in the comfort of your own home. You can stream way better music than we'll ever put out here at Ascension. You could find dozens and dozens, hundreds and hundreds of other preachers that preach better than this guy right here. You could go online, you could get devotional material better than anything we could ever do in-house. So why in the world would you come here when you could do all of that and do it better sitting on your couch at home? Let me put it to you this way. Let me ask you this. Why are you here today? Why did you get up, get dressed, get breakfast, maybe earlier than normal, and get going on a day where you didn't have to work, you didn't have to get the kids to school? Why did you do that? Why did some of you get up and have to wrestle kids and, and pack up the minivan and drive 20, 30, 60 minutes just to be at this location? Why? Why did you put in the effort? To answer that question, we're going to look at our second section of God's word that we want to consider this morning. It's taken from the book of Acts. We're told that they devoted themselves to the apostles' teachings and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. And all believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. And every day, they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. A real quick background here. These words come right after one of the apostles, his name is Peter, gave this great Pentecost sermon. So 50 days after Jesus rose from the dead, 10 days after Jesus went back into heaven, Peter says, repent and believe the good news of Jesus. And you know how many people did that day? One day? 3,000 were brought to faith as God proclaimed his message of love and grace to people. 
Now after that, right, you got the early Christian church. Here, Luke, who God had write the book of Acts, tells us what they did. And do you notice what they devoted themselves to first? To the apostles' teachings. I already mentioned one of the apostles. His name is Peter. The apostles were those guys who walked with Jesus. They talked with Jesus. They were eyewitnesses of Jesus walking on water, feeding 5,000 people, healing the sick, and even raising the dead. You know what else they witnessed? Jesus getting nailed to a cross. His death but then also his resurrection. Right? And Jesus says, you guys have to go out and be my witnesses and tell everybody what you have seen and what you have heard so that they know that they have a Savior who loves them and died for them and rose for them. And that's exactly what those apostles do. And you know what the people did? They devoted themselves to what the apostles were telling them about Jesus. In other words, they devoted themselves to the Word of God to hearing it, to listening to it, to studying it, to sharing it. That was number one. Because God wanted to connect those people then to himself through Christ and that word, and he wants to do the same for us today. Because if we're going to get connected in our families, as we talked about a couple weeks ago, or as a church family, we start by getting connected to Jesus and his word, because that's what connects and unites us as one. And that's why there's an awful lot of people who put an awful lot of time into Sunday mornings so that you can gather here or tune in online and see and hear Jesus. Worship coordinators, tech team people, musicians, comm directors, there's a lot of people, more than maybe you get to see on a Sunday morning, working behind the scenes because they want you to see Jesus more and more. It's why we do things like Starting Point. Right, that's that Bible basics class that kind of walks through the, the main teachings of the Bible, who we are, who's Jesus, where we're going, what he's done for us, why did he had to die. And so if you haven't connected to a class like that, we're, we're having two right now that are going on. Come talk to me after church and I'll get you connected. It's why we do things like Sunday School and Bible class throughout the year because, because we want to connect you to Jesus and his love. That's why we do things like Epic Summer. You can get better devotional stuff from other churches, way bigger and more resources than us, but, but we put it together because we want you and your family to stay connected to the only thing that truly matters to Jesus and what he's done. It's why we recently started life groups, and, and after summer break, we're going to get right back into them because we wanted to connect you to Jesus first and to each other so that we can walk together in our walk of faith under him. It's why we have Bible readings that we do periodically in those social media groups. For such a little church, we try to do an awful lot of stuff because we want you to see Jesus. We want you to know the love of Jesus that has saved you. We want you to know that, that, that even though you and I both have fallen short of the glory of God, we have sinned, we have rebelled, yet you have a God who loves you, who desires to be merciful to you, to take it all away through Jesus' suffering and death. 
And that's what we get to do when we gather. When we open up God's word, when we read it, when we study it, when we hear it, we get to see Jesus and everything that he has done to save us. That's what the early Christians did. And they did it daily, you notice that? They did it daily, they got together. And they not only got together to stay connected to God and his word, they actually did life together. You see that? They didn't just waltz in for an hour a week and then, hey, peace out, a high five. Maybe I'll see you next week, maybe I won't. They actually hung out with each other. They broke bread. They got into each other's homes. They went out for coffee. They went out for lunch. They hung out. When somebody was hurting, they rallied. When somebody was struggling, they sold even their own stuff and possessions to give to help that person in need. I mean, really. I mean, when was the last time you sold anything to help somebody else in need? I can't think of a time either. So why did they do it all? Why did they get together regularly? Why did they make God's word and hanging out with each other underneath that word the most important thing in their lives? Why? Because of Jesus. They knew by faith that they had a God who loved them even though that they had failed and sinned. They knew that they had a God who, who cared for them and poured out his love on them so that they could now pour out love on each other just as Christ had given to them. They believed and trusted in that amazing forgiveness that Jesus won on the cross, that they no longer had to hold back that forgiveness. They could forgive each other because they saw Jesus forgave them. And they could freely give. They didn't have to be stingy with their stuff, wondering, well, I don't know if I'm going to have enough. No, they knew that in Jesus he would provide everything that they needed, and so they gave forgiveness, love, even possessions and money to love and serve God and to love and serve each other, all because of what Jesus had done for them. He gave everything for them. And the same is true for us, isn't it? Jesus, what he did for those Christians back then, he has done for us. He's wiped the slate clean. The selfishness, the pride, the anger, you name the sin, Jesus said, I paid for it in full, it's gone. And you know what we get to do now? We are free to gather in that word, to hear that truth and rejoice. We are now set free to love and serve each other as we love and serve him. We can come and gather and get connected as a church family all because of what Jesus has done for us. Because you know what he did? He knew that you could not do it alone. He knew that if left to yourselves, you'd be in big trouble. Now, I've said this before. I'll say it again. For some reason in our culture today, we've kind of bought into this lie, even us Christians, that we can do Christianity by ourselves. You know what? The Bible never says that. It doesn't. And it all started with Jesus, who knew you couldn't do it alone. And so he came. He came to battle Satan. 
to take away your sins, to bleed and die on that cross so that you would be set free and so that you could be a part of his family, connected with one another under his family forever. And what a blessing that is that he not only connects us to himself, he also gives us each other to do life with. This morning, friends, as we wrap up, I want to give you three big biblical reasons of why it's so important to gather together regularly. And I'm going to argue not just even Sunday morning, but, but regularly, like the early Christian church did. Number one, we need help in our walk of faith. Y'all know that life is hard. You know that, that some days you're feeling good and you're feeling strong. Other days you're feeling weak and, and, and you don't even know if you can go on. Every single day we're bombarded with so many things from the outside and from the inside internally. It's not easy to walk with Jesus. Some days we're strong and we're in that word and we're coming to church regularly. Other days we don't even open it up. And that's why we need help. And Jesus gives it to you. Because he gives you each other. He gives you others to come alongside you to help, to encourage, especially on those days when it's tough, right? Scripture says that, that God comforts us in our infirmities, infirmities and troubles so that we can comfort others in theirs, right? God comforts us so that we can go out and comfort and help and, and serve each other. And no one's above that. We need help. Jesus gives it to us. Number two, we need people to be truthful with us and point us back to Jesus when no one else will. I don't know about you, but we live in a world where it's really, really hard to know what's true and what's not. And in a world of fake news, a world where everybody's got an opinion and they all think they're right, it's really hard to know what's true and what's not true. And especially when it comes to our spiritual walk with Jesus, right? Because here's the reality that we all know. We all have blind spots. You know what I'm talking about? We all have sins that entangle us and ensnare us and, and slowly pull, try to pull us away from Jesus and sometimes we're not even always aware of it, and other times we don't want to address it. And so we need somebody to be truthful with us. Somebody to love us enough to confront us when we are walking away from our Savior, and then that's someone who has enough courage to stick with us, even when we get mad and belligerent, and how dare you say that to me, to point us to Jesus and his forgiving love when no one else will. If you got somebody like that in your life, thank God for them, and maybe thank them too. If you don't, find somebody that can walk with you, that, that can honestly tell you the truth about your sins, but also about Jesus forgiving love. Because that's huge. Number three, we need others to know more than just our name. You know, all too often in places like this, we walk through the doors of churches and, and we shake hands, we fist bump, we might give a casual high, and then there's that smaller group of people maybe we have some small talk with, and, and that's fine, but we need something deeper. 
We need somebody to know more than just our name or our rank or our title or our career, whatever we do. We need people to know us. We need people to know our strengths and weaknesses, our fears and doubts and worries, where we struggle and maybe where our strengths are and what we're good at. We need people to know those things because God wants to do that for us. He wants to encourage us. And so if we just walk out of here, if we check out, if we think that we don't have to be here regularly, if we think that an hour for once a month is good enough, God says you're not going to receive all the blessings I really want to give to you. Because what does God want? God wants to encourage you. He wants to equip you. He wants to correct you and rebuke you and train you and comfort you and forgive you and love you. And it's really hard to do any of those things if we never get together in meaningful ways. It's really hard to love and support somebody when, when we're not even hanging around with them or we don't even know how to help them because we haven't put in the time. It's really hard to, to forgive and give people hope when we just get into our own little bubbles and, and, and mind our business. It's really hard to live the way Christ calls us to if we don't gather together and get into the word. And so Jesus says, don't give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing. Don't. Right? His plea to you today is please don't do that. Because God says that when we gather together as his people, on his word, some pretty amazing things happen. Right? We receive that amazing love of God and we can share that uncommon love and forgiveness with others because he first loved us. So, if you're here today, God's giving a fist pump right now. <laughs> Jesus is pumped that you are in his house, coming at his invitation. He, he's loving the fact that you came in, crawled up into his lap, and you're, you're confessing your sins, you're confiding in him, and he's pouring out his forgiveness into you. He's happy about that, and he says, keep coming. Keep coming. And for those of you who, who are here, maybe watching online, maybe you haven't come always so regularly, you know what Jesus says? It's okay. I forgive you. Come home. And maybe for those of you, if you're in person or online, you haven't come in a long, long time. Maybe you're that one that hasn't been here or you've kind of checked out and you think, nah, I don't, I don't really need church or, or a family of believers. Jesus says, come back. Come back home, no questions asked, and I will forgive you, and I will love you, and I will connect you to me, and I will connect you to others who will love and help you in your walk of faith until the day I return. And so friends, let us not give up meeting together as many people are in the habit of doing. Instead, let us gather together and encourage one another all the more. Because the day is coming when Jesus himself will come and he will take us to be where he is. Amen.